I don't have to like do cartwheels and, and you know and, and and you know guzzle a Miller Light to say hey I'm having a time of my life you know um, nobody enjoys watching us play well more than me trust me on that. This is the Sean Miller Podcast presented by Deer Park Roofing. Now here's your hosts Paul Fritchner and Adam Baum with the head coach of the Xavier Musketeers Sean Miller. Welcome back to the Sean Miller Podcast. Paul Fritschner out of bound, the head coach of the Xavier Musketeers, Sean Miller. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, Deer Park Roofing, Payroll Partners, TG Solar, everybody for helping make this show possible. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube if that's where you're watching. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those, hit that subscribe button. Leave a rating and a review. Coach, it is great to be with you. We're sitting here today. We're in the gym. It's nice to be here. It's a little chilly. It's a little chilly here. You're getting, getting into January. But uh, we're coming off a win yesterday over Providence. So Adam and I thought it would be good to sit down with you. We haven't gotten a chance, just the three of us, to catch up on the season and kind of do a season in review, give us your thoughts on where the team stands right now and and just to kind of set the tone Xavier's sitting at eight and eight right now on the season 500 but you look at the net moving up 18 spots overnight in the net from 61 to 43 Ken Palm just gradually climbing and climbing. You climbed 10 spots yesterday up to 31. Uh, so the metrics really liking where Xavier is right now, and you're coming off a great performance yesterday from Trey Green, from Des Claude. And great to see both of those guys after some struggles over the last couple of weeks really start to generate some momentum forward. But from your perspective on the season now, a few games into the Big East, a couple Big East wins under your belt. How did things stand? How, how is the season going for you? You know, it's uh, it's certainly been difficult in a lot of ways. Um, and I would just start with this. Um, at this point, if we just stop the season today, I think we have the fifth most difficult schedule in college basketball. So if you, if you start and say there's 360-plus teams, each of them has a chance to play the America's number one schedule, there's only four that have played a more difficult schedule than us. So when you think about eight and eight, and clearly a couple games, man, I wish we had back. But the totality of our schedule based on the team that we have doesn't match up. Uh, I wish we wouldn't have played, you know, where we're at in terms of the number five ranked schedule. I think from a confidence perspective at times earlier on, um, being able to learn lessons and not have to be penalized with the difficult loss. And that would have been, uh, in, in hindsight, a great thing for us, right? But there are new, no do-overs in what we do. And I think what we've learned as a team and really as a program is you can also flip the script and say, we're as battle-tested. We've seen virtually every style that, that you can see as a college basketball team. We've played away from home. We've played tough home games. Uh, we've we've been matched up and been in these battles where at the eight-minute mark of the game, you know, virtually in all 16 games we've been in, it could be win-lose. Yeah. You know, very, very seldom have, has the game been decided uh, midway through the second half one way or the other. So you learn sometimes that by doing that, your guys get hardened. Uh, they become more fearless. And from a confidence perspective, you know, you have a resolve about you that you can fight all the way until the final buzzer. And I feel like we've developed some of that here, especially over the last two, three, maybe even four weeks where, you know, we may not win the game, but we're going to fight all the way to the final buzzer. And uh, I've been very proud of our of our staff 
of our team, the players to, to, to be that team. And I think we felt a little bit of that against Providence yesterday where you're on the road. If you judged us midway through the first half, <laughs> it didn't look well, didn't look good. But we've been in that situation 15 other times, and we kept fighting. We stayed with it, and we ended up playing maybe our best half of basketball of the year in the second half away from home yeah. in front of a really tough crowd. So uh, no doubt we left that game feeling good. I think one of the really interesting things when you look at the schedule, I was going back through it yesterday, and six of the eight losses have been by seven points or less. <clears throat> but seven of the eight wins have been by double digits. Yeah. So when you win, you win big. But you look at the Ken Palm luck factor, and I think a lot of people look at that and you wonder, okay, what does that mean? Xavier's the fourth lowest team in the country in the Ken Palm luck factor, which you're not making any excuses, but I think one of the interesting things you can take away from that is you play a lot of these close games, and one of the things that stat looks at is Sometimes those games bounce your ways. And this year, mm -hmm. a lot of those close games just haven't gone your way outside mm -hmm. the Crosstown shootout that you won by less than double digits. So is there anything you can take away from what this team is learning in those close losses so far? Yeah, and, and Paul, again, back to what I said, you know, recognizing the reality of that we've played a very challenging schedule. It's just, it's the fact. It's not even an excuse. I think any team that would take on the schedule that we played understands that there's going to be some challenges uh, in that schedule. And clearly that's been a part of our path. I would also say, you know, the luck factor, I get it. Sometimes it's, uh, did the shot go in? Did it not go in? Maybe at Villanova could be yeah. a great example. But some of our losses, we we, we rallied. We, we stayed with it. We ended up making it a tough game. Whereas, again, back to my resolve, yeah. where I think if you give in, uh, if you're not as connected or hard playing, um, that game ends up going the wrong way, baby, by double digits. And yeah. here's the last point. Any team that's 8-8, eight and eight, is only going to talk about the things that could have gone better. In other words, man, we were up four points with X number of minutes left in this game. We were right there. At halftime, it was tied. You always point to that. I've never met uh, anybody who describes it any differently than that. You <laughs> yeah. know, So I don't want to go down that path. I think the path that Ken Palm or some of the analytics brings up, you know, that's also reality. And it's that we're doing some really good things against top-notch quality. And as we continue to move forward, if we stay healthy, continue to evolve and improve in between games and stay the same team that we are and then grow it and build it and incrementally get better. For example, Trey Green making shots like we know he's capable yeah. um, as a freshman. Freshmen a lot of times hit their stride in the month of January or even February. At that point, they've seen so much. They're no longer the newcomer. They're more familiar and more comfortable. But things like that can start to happen. And if that happens, you know, there's no reason why from this point forward we can't play our best basketball of the year. We talk about that lot, a lot as a team. It's easy to talk about. It's much more difficult to do. But I think yesterday is a good sign that we have more in us.
The Sean Miller Podcast is proud to partner with Deer Park Roofing, a company that's provided elite service for homes and businesses since 1996 and leads the industry in professionalism, quality, and responsiveness. Whether your needs are residential or commercial, like the outstanding work on the Cintas Center, the home of Xavier Basketball, Deer Park can handle any job and ensure it's done right. Deer Park's motto is protect what's important, and what's important to you is important to Deer Park Roofing. Visit DeerParkRoofing.com. Coach, I think one of the things about college basketball that I've learned from you is, it, you know, it's so much a results-based business. You talk all the time about the scoreboard never lies. It, it tells you, it gives you reality. You know exactly how you did when you look at it after a game. But when the results aren't always there necessarily, like you're eight and eight, are, are you pulling from previous seasons where maybe things didn't always go your way? I, I think with college basketball, you look at your – record as a whole you've had a lot of really good seasons where maybe wins were easier to come by than losses so how do you sort of navigate when the results aren't always there do you look back at your career at some of those seasons that were maybe more difficult well you know right now I'm a lot different than I once was uh, I think all coaches evolve think about you you guys like where you'll be a decade from now or maybe who you are today versus even four or five years ago you know you you grow within your industry and I think you you just sometimes you become smarter through mistakes and just things that you wish you could have done better but that but as you know it now when those opportunities present themselves as your path grows and moves forward you have the opportunity to actually do it a different way. I think for me, you know, and, and if, if I ever wrote a book, doubt if I will, but if I did, <laughs> I think it would be a good one. Um, <laughs> I, think I would, would call too. it the scoreboard life because, or something like that, because if, if everybody in the, in the sales world, whether you're the CEO or you're in the trenches, you know, just actually as that salesperson was publicly judged on what happened in their last presentation, like, in other words, did you win or lose? It was that black or white. That profession would be looked upon much differently, you know, because the thing about sports, to your point, Adam, it's so public that you can allow it to become personal. So I think the one thing that I have learned, not saying that I always can do it, but I really try to communicate this as much as I can to our staff, to our players, to my own family and myself is, it's so much about what you do between games, how you communicate, how you go about your business, how you fix problems, you know, how you grow and build on things that are going well and seeing things in a clear lens, not being misguided by so much of the external things that really become a part of college sports. It's why college sports is so awesome. People care. But to the detriment of it, if things aren't going well, it could really, the you can go off the rails. And I think sometimes from an emotional perspective, you know, you, you feel like dying uh, because you lost the game. And look, losing is really difficult, especially on a coach and the staff. But you have to be able to accept it, learn from it, grow. And then it's like we did it from the UConn game. As difficult as it is to lose a home game in a CentOS center, even to a terrific team like UConn, it was so much about us being able to learn from it, leave it, and then get ready for our next challenge, which is at Providence. No easy task. We now face the reality of things went well at Providence, and we have an equally quick turnaround. 
can we learn from the things we didn't do well in that big win, build on the things we did, and be the best that we can be in our next game against Butler, who's a very good team. So to answer your question of what have you learned over time, I mean, it's a little bit like today's NFL. It's those organizations that just seem to be able to deal with the injury that happened last Sunday, the tough loss, the big win, the travel that, that everyone has to do or, or, or accept. And then that next Sunday, can you become the most ready and best you can be? Because it's just like parody. In week 17, you have half of the league in the NFL trying to make the playoffs. It's amazing. What separates the NFL is a game, two games, one injury. You know, a team that maybe wasn't as ready. And I think in this year's Big East Conference, because it's so good and the parity exists at such a high level, that the difference between finishing in third place and seventh, you know, I didn't say 11th and first or 10th and second. But the difference between seventh and second is about five plays, one game, two games. So as we're in that, the details matter in what we do between one contest and the next, not getting too high, not getting too low, seeing it as a true process. I think that only helps develop the team that we're currently coaching. But more important here at Xavier is to build the program to continue to move forward and grow something, build it. I use the word grow a lot. You know, you could, you could replace that with build. You know, just constantly trying to be better than you once were. And here, look, the bar's pretty high. There's been some great teams and programs. We have sustained excellence here for so long that what do I mean by building the program? Well, in today's Big East, can you be a, a perennial can you be a year-in, year-out team that can, can vie for those top spots? I mean, that would be an amazing accomplishment, but that's a huge challenge. So that's what we're building towards. I think it's interesting hearing you say second and seventh because especially now with the Big East going to 11 teams, that's the difference between playing on Wednesday or getting that buy into Thursday and getting that extra in the day Big East tournament. In the Big East tournament. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. So when it boils down to having your guys understand that, hey, there are some huge implications for remembering to block out here on this shot toward the end of the game or make those little mm -hmm. plays, those little things that a lot of these new players are still getting acclimated to in your system. So a great example is when we lost the game at Villanova, <clears throat> we had a couple shots to either go up and then we had one shot or two shots to potentially win the game. And so much of the aftermath of a game like that is going to be centered on who shot the shots and it was Des Claude or Davion McKnight. I think we had three of them. And like, man, he could have he could have made the shot. Ah, oh, that was right there. Should have been a foul. Should not have been a foul, et cetera. And, but the, the reality of that game is at the eight-minute mark, we as a team did an amazing job of putting ourselves in a position to win the game on the road against an experienced good team and against their crowd. At the eight-minute mark, if we would have stopped play, Villanova had the game in hand. So we can't lose sight of it. It's not about the last play. It's about every play in that game that mattered. And as we reviewed what allowed us to, to be there to have a chance to win and really a couple problem areas that we could have done better, that's the focus, not the last shot. And as it applies to Dez, we want Dez to take the next last shot and have the confidence to know, was it a quality shot? Yes. Did you try to miss it? Of course not. On the one layup, could they have called a foul? 
absolutely. So we live with the consequences of it didn't work out. Next time it will. But let's not lose sight of the 40-minute game and so many different things in that game that we either did well or didn't do well. I think the more experienced and seasoned you are as a coach and even a player, the more you see our season like that and not the emotional roller coaster that can really follow parity in the Big East Conference, especially in our case where we have a few things going against our roster. The inexperience, losing Zach and Jerome, which has been well documented, you know, we're not walking out at the jump ball saying, we have room for error tonight. And if we don't play our best, I, I still think we can win. I haven't felt that way ever this season. And I don't think our players have either because of the schedule we've played. So it's, it's a matter of being tested, hardened, experienced in a different way. And I go back to what we talked about a little bit ago. Uh, maybe our best basketball is in front of us because of some of the challenges we've experienced. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Milano, Italy. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. St. Louis, Missouri. Abuja, Nigeria. And I chose. I chose. I chose Xavier University. For its education. More opportunities. For passion. Because it felt like home. The community. Campus life. D1 basketball. Because I love Cincinnati. I came here. To be a musketeer. I am. I am. I am. And we are the faces of Xavier. I think what's interesting is if you if you just look at the last three games, okay, at Villanova, at home against UConn, and then at Providence, you know, you, you talk about that Villanova game. Well, a thing that's really easy to sit here now and look at is like, hey, if you guys do a better job defensive rebounding that's and right. Villanova doesn't get that many second chance points, you probably win that game, okay? Well, then fast forward to UConn. You do a great job cleaning up the rebounding. Mm. You controlled the glass. Mm. And then you sort of forgot what transition defense that's was. Right. And that's yep. another thing where it's like you point at that and you say, hey, man, if we do a better job defending in transition, yep. we give ourselves a chance to win that game. Well, then you fast forward to Providence, and it's almost like there were no fatal flaws in right. that game. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's happened in your last two games, UConn and Providence, you've started the second half really well. That's been an Achilles heel for you guys mm -hmm. this year. So the progression, like starting to figure it out and fix things game to game, mm -hmm. I think is there. Would you yeah, agree? For sure. And we're making in incremental improvement. It's never going to be night and day. Yeah. You know, th there's no magic wand, but it's the details between one game, home, home win, home loss, road win, road loss. It's those days between that matter the most so that when the next test comes up, which is played out in front of the world, the sports world, that we know what we did between games. And I'll, again, I'll go back to losing to UConn and getting ready for Providence. I thought that our scouting, the staff, our players did a great job of being able to go from, you know, the tough home loss to a really good team to being the most ready we could for a two o'clock away game within two and a half days, right? Which includes the travel, et cetera. And now the challenge remains, can now we bounce from at Providence to this week where we have two home games, one on a Tuesday against Butler, one on a Friday against Georgetown. And again, be the best team we can be 
on those given nights. So that's the challenge. It's so easy to talk about here with the two of you, <laughs> but the reality of like getting sleep, being able to get home, communication, working, freezing cold outside, right? Uh, and, and being able to deal with our players and communication and uh, the teaching and the effort level. Um, so that's, that's really what we're after. And, and Adam, you, you brought up a good thing. What is the one thing that we take from each game? And then if you evaluate that one thing, the next game, do you have the peace of mind that you were better? And that, that's a good sign that we have a very coachable group and that some of the different things that we're emphasizing and we're not trying to emphasize a lot, that we're seeing improvement in it. And uh, so well, let's hope that this week uh, we have a similar storyline because I think in, in a lot of ways it's a big week for us in conference play. When you look back at some of the things that you've installed in this team and you think of things that maybe you would have done over the summer if you had had this group together. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one thing that really killed you against Oakland was, you know, maybe not being able to trap the post because you hadn't worked on it in practice. Mm -hmm. Well, you do that and you have some success in Big East play. Then you start to maybe install a little more full court pressure, three quarter court mm -hmm. pressure. You're starting to see things that as you've worked on in practice that even the most casual fan can say, oh, we didn't see them do this mm. two weeks ago. Are you consciously taking, okay, we've checked this box. I feel comfortable installing this now to this group of fresh faces, these freshmen that are still getting acclimated with everything. Yeah, so you're right. How you install different things, you know, it's so much about the team that you're coaching. When you have 10 new players and, you know, three of them are international players and a lot of them are coming directly from high school, I think every coach would agree with me to some level on this. You have to be careful of trying to introduce too much, you know, just unless you, you have the basics and the foundation strong. I mean, we, we can try to trick people and do a variety of things. You're probably not going to be very good at anything. So I think the philosophy that we have is build the strongest foundation we can in the quickest way possible. Uh, in hindsight, I wish we would have been a little further along against what you described, Oakland, where one player just really punished us and destroyed us. I'll also tell you this, Paul, like looking back at that period of time, that's also the disadvantage of so much change because it's not always easy to anticipate that something like that's going to happen. Yeah. Like you almost have to go through some experiences to say, wow, we really struggled in that area more than I realized. Uh, and that was an, a great example of, of that right there. But hopefully at some point earlier than later, you get to a point where you feel like you protect yourself against a lot of different challenges. And, you know, I, I think we're arriving at that final destination where everything that we're trying to do uh, that we have in, and now it's a matter of us getting better at it. You talked about full court pressure. It's helped us in a couple games recently. Uh, we have to get better at it, though. You know, some of what we had here at the beginning is a surprise element against the team we're playing where they haven't really seen a lot of that from us. Now when you're getting ready to, to compete against us, you know that that's a part of what we're doing. So the strategy on their end, the preparation on their end, you know, starts to uh, be to their advantage. So the details of what we do have to be more, more dialed in. Stop renting your power, own it. 
TGE Solar makes it easy to purchase solar panels for your home or business so you can take control of your monthly electricity bill and start saving today. They'll help you find the best solar system to meet your needs, and their expert in-house installation team makes the process seamless. They're proud to be based in Cincinnati, family-owned and operated by a Xavier alum. Mention this podcast and save $1,000. Visit TGESolar.com to request your free energy evaluation today. Coach, I was thinking about this yesterday, watching that Providence game. I was watching it with Paul. We were doing a live stream. Um, and it was fun. Like, I, mm-hmm. I genuinely had fun watching that game. You haven't necessarily – there have been fun aspects of a lot of games. But from start to finish, I thought that was a really fun game. And I found myself thinking, like, do you have fun during games? Or is it more like are you just – stressed out thinking about all the little things that go into trying to win a college basketball game? I'm, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll tell, I'll, I'll answer this the same way that I, I answer this when my wife asks me the exact <laughs> same question. And she doesn't always ask it about the game. She's like, do you ever have fun? Are you, you know, uh, can you smile, et cetera? And look, I don't have to like do cartwheels and, and you know and, and and you know guzzle a Miller Light to say hey I'm having a time of my life you know um, nobody enjoys watching us play well more than me trust me on that but sometimes I think when you're in the game you know you you just you want to focus it all the way to the final buzzer making sure that you realize look you have you're in charge of 18 to 22 year olds and you know just them being able to see this for what it is. Uh, we want to play to the final buzzer, whether we're winning or losing. You know that again. Back to to what we talked about here a few minutes ago, and uh, and then when the game ends, then you really can take a deep breath and enjoy a lot of the hard work. But you know, I told the team after the game, you know, at Providence, I'm not relieved at all. Like oh, I'm relieved we won. That's not the way to do this. Yeah. I mean, I'm thrilled. I'm so happy. And, uh, and because when you see a staff work together closely with the group of players and you watch a lot of young players team grow, a guy like Trey Green, who's had some tough moments this year. I've coached him hard. You know, we're on him constantly to improve as a defensive player. And to watch him break out on the road at Providence and play the way he did, there's no better feeling as a coach than seeing that happen right before your eyes. So the plane ride home, the pizza, it tastes so much better. <laughs> the flight, it doesn't matter if you're in the air for six hours or, or 15 minutes. It just feels like, ah. Oh. And, uh, and that's when you just, you, you can sometimes say, you know, I love this. You lose, it's the opposite. It's like that self-talk of next thing, we're going to be fine. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> the sun's going to come up, and then it's back to that process. So I try to somewhat stay in between those points. I have never had a problem uh, of handling the emotions with a tough, with a great win. Like, God, look at him. He's lost his mind. He's so happy. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not that. I could certainly go off the deep end with a tough loss. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always pulling it back from the tough loss and trying to enjoy the big win, or I'll win more. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's just you have to be yourself, right? You do. What's your go-to pizza flavor? You know, I like it just no toppings, you know? Just cheese? cheese? Yeah, I I think that's the true indicator of how good the pizza is. That's a good point. There's a pizza place uh, where where I grew up, my wife did as well, in Beaver Falls. It's called D&G Pizza. 
Well, I think it's America's best pizza. Comes in a white box, square cut. It's hard to explain it. Uh, I get it mailed to me all the time. When I was at Arizona, people would send it to me. Uh, here in Cincinnati, it's easier. So uh, I love it. I love it. I'll put it up against any pizza in the world. So, all right. You've given us something to think. Let's We're, do a taste might, test on the pod. Yeah, sometime. we might need to try this. Summer. I'm going to yeah. I tell you what. We're going to do it on this podcast. All right. And we're going to, I'm going to let you guys try it. You could compare it to some of the best pizza you've ever eaten. Okay. I'll see what you think. All right. Yeah. All right. One player in particular I want to ask you about because I thought it was interesting you talking about him after the game yesterday. We've talked about Trey Green. We've talked about Des Claude, some of these other guys. Davion McKnight has really taken control of this team as a mm-hmm. point guard. He's not turned the ball over. His assist to turnover ratio is incredible. Uh, it's one of the best in the conference, if not the best in the conference. Um, but as a first year point guard in your system, and you talk about instilling confidence in him. Uh, he's really performed well this year, especially lately. He has. I, I love coaching him. It, I mean, I, I'll just start there. It's He is a fun guy to coach, number one, because he's the same every day. You know, I think everybody focuses on a coach and his staff is supposed to give players confidence I think there's a lot of truth to that. But players can give a coach and a staff and his teammates confidence. And I think Davion's consistent way of going about his business, no matter what the result of the previous game, or even in his case, whether he played well or didn't play well, he shows up. He inspires you around him for you to give him your best because he's always there. And I think the consistency in his leadership through example is something that I not only feel really good about this season, but next season as well. You know, assist-to-turnover ratio, maybe I'm right about this. I always think I know more about football than I really do, but quarterbacks of interceptions versus touchdowns, you know, it seems to be like the best of the best always have that dialed in. No point guard... That, that, that's worth his salt can be considered a good player if they don't have a good assist-to-turnover ratio. Even Sule Boom last year, who is a prolific shot maker and scorer, one of the other things that was very understated is he did a good job with his assist-versus-turnover ratio. Colby Jones, as somebody who wasn't our point guard, amazing assist-to-turnover ratio. Davion is leading the Big East Conference in assist-to-turnover ratio, and he's really, I believe, top 20 in America in assist-to-turnover ratio. At Providence, he had eight assists and two turnovers. You cannot underestimate that because we also play at a fast tempo, and he has the ball in his hands quite a bit. Uh, Defensively, he gives you his best effort. He's starting to take and make open threes. That's something we want him to do more of, and I think his overall improvement from where we are today towards the future, that's a huge point of improvement for him. But free throw percentage, a lot of things that make him what you would call, he is a winning player for us in the Big East Conference. But uh, I would say Davion, if he's not the most popular team teammate on our team, he's one of them. And I think if you interview our players and talk to them other than Davion, they would echo a lot of what I said, and that is, There's something to be said about a player who just shows up the same every day and gives high effort. Doesn't have a whole lot to say, 
but just goes about his business. So he's been a godsend for us. I'm glad you asked me about him, Paul, because it's fun to talk about him uh, simply because he's so unassuming and unselfish. Yeah. We may have to have, bring him on this podcast. Just to see if he can talk. Well, yeah, just, just to challenge him to see it, to, to open up. It would be interesting because he would give you some good answers, but trust me, he wouldn't elaborate a whole lot. No. <laughs> you know, what I love about Davion, you, you're very kind. You let me and Paul come to practice, and it's pretty rare when we miss one. But in all the practices since he came around, I've never seen him pout. I've never seen him talk back. He's just like, he's steady. He is. And I think having guys like that that you can count on when – Maybe you're down 10 points in the first half at Providence. Like, he's never going to be that guy that hangs his head and he's like, man, it's just not our, it's not our game today. You know, we talked to Quincy about transferring from Rice to Xavier, and we shared that I knew his coach at Rice very well, Scott Para. And if you remember Quincy talking about Scott Para and the relationship him and, and, and Scott had really, to this day, is really strong. And that was a big part of, I think, us being able to convince Quincy to come to Xavier. Rick Stansberry, who coached Davion at Western Kentucky, who I know, coached at Mississippi State, assistant at Texas A&M, good coach. He's now at Memphis. I don't know if a coach has ever said nicer things about a player than he did about Davion. Just who he is every day, the type of player that he is and who he thought he could become. How he thought Davion's play at Western Kentucky could translate to a higher level here in the Big East Conference. Uh, and that relationship is good. And that relationship is more along the lines of how I would describe Davion. When you coach him, he gives you confidence and he really makes you appreciate who he is because of his consistent, consistent high effort level, regardless of circumstances. Game day, shoot around, after a tough loss early in June when he first came here and he didn't know anybody or anything, to now here in January where he's one of our team's leaders and our starting point guard. Uh, Rick Stansberry said so many great things. And I think I'm glad that I listened and we listened to him um, and, and I think it says a lot about Davion because that isn't oftentimes the case. Sometimes when you, when you start to dig in and really ask more about a player, you don't hear these types of glowing things. And when I look at Quincy coming here and doing well and Davion coming here and doing well, I go back to those conversations that we had with their previous coaches and so many great things that their previous coaches said about them on and off the court. Coach, a couple more minutes here before you uh, have to go do a film session. So I want to step away from basketball for just a second to, to wrap this podcast up. And I think one of the most frequent texts that Adam and I have gotten all season after watching this show from people that watch is how good you look physically this year and maybe what you did in the offseason. I, I don't know how much weight you lost in the offseason, but was it a diet? Was it working out? Or, or what was it? Because I think for the amount of people that have texted us yeah. about it, we haven't heard from you on it. So I'll give you two, two parts. I've always been up and down. Uh, I, 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 blame, I blame my dad. You know, <laughs> me and him worked at this game so hard from probably like third or fourth grade that when my time ended as a player, I almost had a pact with myself. I'm not working out or I'm not playing <laughs> basketball. I'm not doing things. You know, I'm, I'm not that guy that, hey, can we play pickup? I, 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 I would rather do a million other things 
whatever those million other things are before I play college, basketball in any, any way. It's like I live that life. I, I, I practice for two people, you know, okay. so that's my starting point. And then, you know, I'm also like this stress eater. I mean, the, so think about me Same. and what I do for a living. You know, uh, the harder it gets, that the more I eat whatever I can see <laughs> that it hasn't helped me. So I think just having a better diet, trying to work out smart, uh, listening to my wife more. And I think some of it was a year ago, as great as last season was, and having the opportunity to be back at Xavier and in Cincinnati again, as awesome as all of it was, um, I probably didn't take care of that part as well. And it's like my weight went to the highest ever. And I, I think some of it is like if I want to do this for as long as I can to be the best that I can be, that's probably not the path I need to stay on. Yeah. So in my house, we have a Peloton, and I have more clothes on the Peloton than I do in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I take them off. I'm like, okay, day one, right? And I get on a Peloton about three days and it's like, oh God. But so anyway, right now it's uh, just being more aware of the diet, exercising when I can and, you know, staying away from certain things that, that probably didn't serve me well over my time. But I appreciate you asking the question. It's certainly better than the alternative. <laughs> yeah. I think it was 30 pounds last I heard. Yeah, 25, 30 yeah. pounds. Yeah. So I'm going to try to keep it stabilized and maybe try to do a little bit better and maybe lose a little bit more here moving forward. So we'll see. All right. Last question for you. After a win, when you're, you're going home, what is your, uh, what's your go-to after a win? I'd like to tell you I have one. Um, my answer to that is there is no go-to. You know, I'm, I'm usually excited, moving on to the next thing. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Fair. All right. Uh, simply because that's the difference between football and basketball. Like, today is Sunday. We got home really late last night. That Butler game is going to be on us so fast your head's going to spin. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I would ever want the feeling that we're not the most ready or prepared we can be for whatever is next. So you have to be able to move forward. Uh, that's one thing that coaching in a Pac-12 really helped me with, coaching. You know, once you get into conference play in the Pac-12, other than your travel partner, and in our case it would have been Arizona State, you're pretty much locked into playing Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, once in a while like a Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. So think about that. You know, you're playing an away game. You leave on a Wednesday, get there. You play that next game. You don't come home in between games. You have the one quick day in between. Oftentimes, the second game is played in the afternoon. So how do you go from one thing to the next as best that you can, regardless of whether you won or lost that game? And the NCAA tournament's like that. You know, think about Kennesaw State. Down 10, didn't feel good. We made this epic run to beat them. It was, like, unbelievable. Not only are you in the tournament, but you survived. You now have a chance to play for the Sweet 16. Well, you're only going to get to the Sweet 16 if you play well in the next game. And how do you do that? You have to be able to leave that game behind, learn from it, and just similar to what we talked about in today's podcast. So uh, I try as best I can to be balanced when yeah. it comes to that. Most people are probably listening to this Tuesday morning, so right before the Butler game. By that time, this game will be over. Steelers, feeling good? How are we feeling? I think it's a tall order, but with this crazy weather, 
Uh, you know, my people are telling me T.J. Watt potentially is going to play. Don't believe the hype. Uh, so can you imagine him coming in there on the blitz in the snow? Not expected to play. Um, and, you know, I think my sources are pretty good. So You got people just feeding you. Yeah, from, almost from the locker room at this point. You know, All I've right. been wired in for so long. <laughs> but I'd say Steelers seven, Bills three. There it is. All we'll right. see on Tuesday morning. We'll, we'll see how it turned out. All right, Sean, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. It. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Sean Miller Podcast. Uh, Xavier taking on Butler this week on Tuesday night, then Georgetown both here at the Cintas Center on Friday night. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, Deer Park Roofing, Payroll Partners, TGE Solar, for helping make all this possible. Like, subscribe, comment, share around with your friends, rate, review, and we'll talk to you next time on the Sean Miller Podcast. This has been the Sean Miller Podcast, presented by Deer Park Roofing, with your hosts, Paul Fritschner and Adam Baum. Join us again soon for another episode with the head coach of the Xavier Musketeers, Sean Miller.